Hello and welcome to our new series of The Educators. I'm Angela Fairs. I'm the CEO of Full Circle Education Consultancy and we work with innovative educators to find alternative routes to success and happiness, let's hope, for, for students in the world today. And I'm very, very pleased to welcome today Rhea Bichari. Good morning from the UK, but you're not in the UK. I'm in Dubai, yes. No, but pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. You are the, the CEO and founder of a School of Humanity in Dubai. And I have two different bios for you, which are both incredible. I'm just going to go for the short one today, which is equally inspirational. And the long one, everyone else can, can see on your website. Um, Rhea, you're an award-winning educator and serial entrepreneur. You've been featured by the BBC as one of the most influential and inspiring women globally for your work in the alternative education space. And you have years of experience designing, leading, facilitating and scaling educational programs for private and public organisations. So welcome to Educators. I'm absolutely delighted you could join us. Thank you for having me. No, I'm really excited to share more about the work that I'm doing and hopefully it's useful to your listeners. So the School of Humanity, firstly, a very interesting name for a school. So tell me a little bit about you and your why for the School of Humanity and where it came from. Absolutely. So my journey into the education space um, was somewhat accidental. When I when I was growing up, I wanted to be a scientist. I, I didn't really have plans to come into the education space, but um, I always loved learning and hated school. And so that was <laughs> a, a big challenge for me. I, I loved learning by doing things. So I really enjoyed the extracurricular side of school. I, I was a young founder, so I got to um, be a family, part of founding teams of exciting organizations when I was in high school. And what that did for me was it gave me a sense of the kinds of skills and mindsets that you actually need in the real world to have an impact, to solve problems, to create something. And in parallel, I was obviously in the education system and you know doing my A-levels and memorizing textbooks to take exams. And um, for me, the pain points only got worse when I went on to university. Uh, so I did my undergraduate degree in neuroscience at Boston University. And as passionate as I was about the field, studying it in a formal education space, which was once again, mostly lecture driven, mostly about memorizing textbooks and information, um, it was it was excruciating to say the least. Um, in fact, one of the anecdotes I often share with people is that you know it wasn't until I started working in a lab, uh, I worked in a neuroscience lab, a memory lab for about a year, that I realized what doing science and what science actually is. Um, all my years of science education was really just memorizing information, but designing scientific studies, conducting experiments, working in labs, like that's a completely different experience than the way we're taught science in schools. So long story short, I came into the to the space out of my own frustrations. Um, School of Humanity was really launched to reimagine how we learn, what we learn, why we learn, and reimagine the system that we have in, in the high school education space. And you've got a fantastic website and your strap on there says an online school with an interdisciplinary curriculum and innovative learning model, focusing on skills, mindsets and behaviours by solving real world problems. So, so how do you, firstly, who does it cater for? And then how do you manage to encapsulate that in, I'm going to put in inverted commas, but people can't see me doing that little thing with my two fingers, um, <laughs> school? Yes. And 
terms of who we went into it, um, our, our tagline is the high school of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we, we are a high school, which usually means uh, learners between ages 14 to 18, or if you use the traditional grading system, that's usually between nine and 12. Our current model and curriculum is in English at the moment, which narrows down your option, your, let's say, pool of learners globally a little bit. But that being said, we've had, uh, we actually just launched the, the four-year high school a few weeks ago. Um, and we've had learners from over 10 countries across five continents in this cohort. So from Puerto Rico, Chile, in Europe, from uh, Russia, United Kingdom, uh, UAE in the Middle East, uh, Nigeria and Uganda and Africa, Philippines in the Far East. So wow. we really are the high school for the world. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't know how we made the time zones work. We sometimes somehow <laughs> made the time zones work thanks to the cooperation of the parents and the families. And what's beautiful is I think we have such a rich mix of socioeconomic backgrounds as well. And really the one thing they all, all the learners have in common is curiosity. Um, in every other way, they're so diverse in terms of their stories and their backgrounds and their interests. In terms of um, what we consider, like how does the school, let's say, work, and I'm using quotation marks as well for anyone <laughs> who's, who's listening, essentially how we're different is a couple of ways. But one of the ways is we follow challenge-based learning as our pedagogy. Mm -hmm. So instead of courses, we run challenges. And, and this fall, the, the two challenges we're running are our common humanity and future of the internet media and democracy. And our learners develop their knowledge in the different subjects, as well as skills and dispositions through engaging, investigating, and acting on these challenges. So it's a very interdisciplinary curriculum. It's very skill-based. Um, it's framed by real-world challenges. Ends up being a very personalized journey because the solutions they pick are completely their choice and they map it to the curriculum areas that excite them the most. And so um, that's one of the major ways that we're different. In addition, of course, we're online first. We are looking into the hybrid space as well. And, um, you know, a fi final note I'll add on how we're different as a school is that we don't do exams and that's not the main incentive of learning. For us, we assess, evaluate learning outcomes through project-based assessment. So that gives us much more depth and breadth in um, how we validate whether learning has occurred. I think that's fantastic. I'm one of those very old people in education who went through the traditional standards model and then about, I guess, 15 years ago, transferred to the IB model and PBL, project-based learning, and really saw, until then, I was a bit of a cynic and didn't really see the type of in-depth learning that happens when you're, you're posing questions and challenges to students and and it's absolutely fantastic that you're actually now encapsulating that into a high school and a lot of people ask the question about okay that's great um, to kind of do but then then what next when they leave your school where do they go what do they do if they don't have formal qualifications that's the most common question we get asked um, so it's, yeah. a, it's a really valid it's a very valid question as well because that's part of the reason why it's so difficult to innovate at the high school level right like we have so many more innovative universities and innovative middle schools and primary schools but that high school level is so difficult because you really have to make sure you're not limiting learners afterwards in terms mm. of their university admissions and, and beyond. So a couple of things there to be aware of before I share our, our work around recognition and mm. pathways after School of Humanity. One is we didn't invent this kind of education. We're actually not the first school to create our own interdisciplinary curriculum based on challenge-based or PBL-based learning. 
um, there is a growing movement of schools around mm. the world. And at some point, I'm happy to go deeper into them. And what this means is we're also seeing a growing um, shift in the admission systems of universities around the world. Um, an increasing number of universities are starting to understand and recognize uh, mastery transcripts mm -hmm. instead of traditional report cards, understanding you know, even homeschooling learners yeah. and kind of understanding the diversity uh, of ways you can evaluate a learner's abilities beyond the traditional A-level results or, or SAT scores or test scores, right? So we're already seeing that shift. And so we're coming in in a space that has history. And that's just something to be aware of uh, uh, before I answer the question. But yeah, look, I think it's multifaceted. Uh, our team is doing a lot of work around recognition. The basic first step is obviously international accreditation. We, we've started our accreditation process with the Western Association of Schools and Colleges and, yep. um, uh, and, and we're making great progress there. Uh, in addition to that, we actually benchmarks uh, our curriculum um, against your, we're doing some work around the European qualifications framework. We, we benchmark our, some of our advanced credits against the AP uh, so that our learners kind of have that equivalency. In addition to that, we're part of the Mastery Transcript Consortium, which is a consortium of schools around the world that adopt a Mastery Transcript, which is a portfolio-based transcript. And that shows skills evidenced by projects and over 300 universities now recognize this transcript. We also do work to um, potentially at the end of every school year, give learners the option of converting their mastery transcript to a GPA based transcript. Mm -hmm. This is something schools like ours do. They issue like a subject based traditional equivalency certificate almost yeah. to demonstrate to universities that are really used to the traditional way of doing things. This is what the learner knows. This is what they're able to do. And we also do university partnerships for collaborating with universities around the world. So it's 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 multifaceted. It, it so it takes a lot of work. It's definitely the hardest part of what we do is making sure ultimately our learners are prepared for life after School of Humanity. Final thing I'll add there is that for us, it's not just about university prep. Like, sure, some of our learners will go to traditional universities, and we need to make sure they have they can they can do that and thrive in that environment. Uh, we also recognize there is its emerging pathway of really innovative, alternative, progressive mm. universities. Some of our learners might become, you know, go straight into entrepreneurship for a few years and then go to university or just never go to university at all. And others might actually choose to go straight into in industry and they might choose to go straight into the workforce. And for us, preparing them for all of these scenarios is equally important. Yeah, that's that's really important. I think there's a growing move as well in in high schools to to kind of give uh, students some sense of self awareness as well about what's good for them, not just kind of going down the expected route and really kind of helping to counsel them in terms of what's best for them. So it's it's really great to see that you're doing that. I guess the other question is when you have an online or hybrid environment, and yeah, we we've worked with online schools for the last two years, and this is always it's kind of the holy grail. Is what about the social side of high school? How do you how do you make that happen? What does that look like for students? Yeah, so for us, it was an equal equally significant question when we were first launching our pilot programs. We've we've been piloting in the last year and a half through summer school and after school, and we just launched high school. So we also were asking ourselves this question of can it work? Can the social aspect, community aspect, be just as rich as as possible in an online setting? And I think we were pleasantly surprised, um, you know, to share examples of this right after the summer school, actually, of last year. This was back in 2021. 
we found out that the learners created their own WhatsApp groups and <laughs> were setting up their own calls. Until this day, they're in touch. Until this day, yeah, they're friends. And in fact, some of them yeah. might actually meet each other in person. And I'm not saying that replaces in-person education, but rather it was a nice kind of indication of you can still form meaningful friendships with people from around the world and be in touch and have that rich social learning. And so we've designed the model to try to cater for that as much as possible. So, so all of our live workshops and sessions, we never lecture. They're always activity-based with mm -hmm. lots of discussions, lots of interaction, lots of social learning. Uh, we do flourishing sessions once a week, which is an opportunity for learners to develop emotional intelligence, but it also forms deeper bonds by having meaningful conversations about our identities and our communities. Um, we do game nights and social nights. We've done even online yoga with an organization called My Little Zen. Um, lots and lots of things. We've even played with the metaverse and creating virtual worlds that the learners can interact with each other and, uh, you know, uh, bump into each other in the hallways of it virtually. And again, none of these replace in-person uh, learning. In fact, one of the things, the first things we do in um, the parents orientation is make sure parents are taking initiatives for like learners being socializing in terms of having friend groups outside of School of Humanity, doing clubs, activities, extracurriculars that are in person, all that is really important. But I think we've proven time and time again, you can have a very rich social community-led learning experience that is online. It's certainly possible. I 100% agree. And sometimes it's even it's even more enriching because you can you can meet with people all over the world and not have to have people who may be in the same class Absolutely. as you that you might not have anything in common with and you come together in something that you're passionate about it's it's almost more likely that you're going to meet somebody that you really enjoy sharing virtual or online time with so I couldn't agree more Rhea and I was really interested to see that and hear that your um, concept has developed over time through um, your kind of after school work and then growing into an online school and there are some fascinating projects if if people go onto your website which I would definitely encourage them to do which is looking at kind of how some of your after school uh students have developed projects on you know, sustainable living um for, for for deprived people um looking at an investigation into human happiness are those the kind of paths that that um, your students will take under the kind of the two um i guess learning challenges you have right now exactly so when we run a challenge it, it there's phases within it mm. and again we didn't invent this this is based on the challenge-based learning pedagogy uh you first start by engaging with the challenge then you investigate it and then you mm. act on it and we added our own ending to it which is share and reflect that's where they you know showcase their entire journey reflect on the full 13-week term and so on and during the engage phase we're kind of taking the lead so that's a few weeks of us presenting the challenge through the lens of different disciplines. So in the future of internet, you might actually tackle it from a psychology angle and look at the impact of social media on our brains. Um, you might look at it from the lens of data science and actually learn some statistics by analyzing the data around peace and justice in the internet. Um, you might look at it from the lens of poetry and look at poems ar ar around human connectivity. And so, 
we do a bit of that. We're interdisciplinary work and make sure learners have enough grounding in the challenge to then go into the investigate phase. This is where it becomes open-ended. So typically if learners start to say, what am I most interested in You know, from all these different disciplines? Which ones am I intrigued about? What sub-challenges do I want to investigate further? They eventually choose one or they choose one as a team sometimes. And then they do problem analysis, research, root cause analysis, or systems thinking tools. It's just a variety of possible toolkits that you might use to actually analyze a problem. And then the act phase is the most open-ended of all. So they act on the, this challenge. That might mean creating a tech, tech solution. It might mean taking an artistic angle at a project or even looking at it from the lens of literature and the arts. And so they select their own projects. We guide them to mapping it against curriculum standards and making sure they're meeting learning outcomes. And they work on that, their own personalized curriculum and project for a few weeks leading up to the share and reflect phase. So those projects that mm. you saw are us applying that framework in the after school and summer school context. And now this term, we just started it in the context of the four-year high school, which we're really excited about because we can imagine we have much more time with the learners, there's much more rigor that you can apply. And we're really excited to see um, the kind of projects and solutions they come up with. It's absolutely fantastic. I, I remember we were, we were doing um, something used to be called Genius Hour. I don't know if you know Genius, but Genius Hour was kind of an hour that you take out in the week um, in some IB schools and, and uh, different schools I worked in where the students would kind of, we'd start with a, a question and then they would follow their own inquiry and it would be about presenting at the end. and. We all felt as teachers, wouldn't it be great to have it the other way around? You know, we just had one hour of mm. kind of normal instruction and then the rest of the school was based <laughs> around, around genius hour. So it's so great to hear that, you know, that can actually happen and it is actually happening. What's the response from kind of schools around you in Dubai? Because obviously it's very kind of, uh, there's lots of kind of very traditional schools in Dubai. How has it been yeah. accepted um, where you are? Because I noticed you're also looking at developing a hybrid school in Dubai. Yeah, so we are an American online high school. We're licensed mm -hmm. out of the U.S. Um, we have entities in Dubai and Singapore that also take care of like the summer and after school programs. Um, and in Dubai, we're looking to launch a learning hub. It wouldn't legally and technically be a school. Um, and it would be a way to bridge the gap for learners here that are enrolled in our online school, but also other online schools and homeschooling communities. So to offer a space where people can come to co-learn and to access learning resources, do excursions and events. So that's the way that we are looking to structure it. Um, generally, the community has been, in terms of the wider education community here, they've been very supportive. We do have some exciting partnerships on especially the after school and summer school programs. Um, we, we've been in conversations with government entities and there is a huge appetite, obviously, in Dubai for innovations and innovative ways of doing things. I think where, where we might be uh, challenged in Dubai versus in the United States is just the regulatory environment for models yeah. like ours, as supportive as, as, as the regulators are. And we're, you know, Casey knows about mm -hmm. us and they're, they're supportive to legally be licensed out of a school here rather than the United States. We couldn't have the model that we have. Yeah. We couldn't be as interdisciplinary, personalized, competency-based as we are. Yeah. Um, but I know there's been some initiatives and works around that changing in the region. Um, but what's been amazing though, is seeing the interest from families here. For sure, I think in any city in the world, we're, you're seeing an increasing number of parents and learners who just 
want something different and they're they're already homeschooling they're already online schooling they're dissatisfied with the existing Mm -hmm. education system and they would love something different that's still accredited um, and better catered to their needs. So where for the future then, Rhea, what does it look like for School of Humanity in every country or going online or hybrid (laughs) regions or what are your hopes and aspirations for School of Humanity? I think right now we're just so excited to have our high school cohort, cohort Jupiter, we're calling them. Can I ask why Jupiter? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So we name our cohorts after celestial objects. And Mm -hmm. we do it alphabetically. So the first cohort was cohort Andromeda, then cohort Uh Beetlejuice, then cohort Callisto, Europa. And hopefully we don't run out of (laughs) (laughs) objects in the sky. (laughs) Exactly. So now we're in J, cohort Jupiter, and Mm -hmm. we're preparing for Kepler and Lyra to join us uh, in the coming months as well. So that's that's really why. And so cohort Jupiter is special, though, because they're the first high school cohort. And right now as a team, we're really just focused on them. And, and our focus is making sure they're having a fantastic time, that they're meeting learning outcomes, that the parents are happy. We're conscious this is our first time doing it. And we, we want to make sure we're fulfilling the mission that we set out um, to, to meet. And so in the short term, that's really our focus is, is just uh, making sure cohort Jupiter is off to a great start. But really long term, our vision is obviously to grow and to scale and to offer this globally and to have as many learners around the world having the option and access to joining School of Humanity. Hybrid is a really important focus mm. for us. We, I really believe the future of everything is hybrid. The future of work is hybrid. Yeah. So it's the future of learning. And so we do have a hub in the works in Dubai and possibly one in Bristol. We are looking, you know, we have a community of learners from Bristol. Fantastic. Great city. Could highly recommend Bristol. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're excited about that. And then we might we might go beyond that. And the other thing that we are now in kind of starting to gain traction on, um, and unfortunately, most of it's confidential, so I can't really share details, mm-hmm. but we are working with governments. So we are working with um, ministries of education and government entities to try to reimagine entire public school systems. Yeah. Ultimately, we think the way that this models like ours or any high quality model of education becomes equitable and accessible is when you have government sponsored, government funded, high quality education, and it needs to happen at that level as well. So those are just some of the things that I'm excited about when I think about the future. Oh, it's so exciting. And we need problem solvers and we need collaborators and we need people who ask the right questions and do the research to kind of back that up. So it's so exciting. I'm absolutely thrilled um, at your success and um, I can't be more excited thank to kind you. of watch you in the future and see you grow. So Rhea, thank you so much. I know you're going to be kind of, I think I'm, I'm going to EdTech Asia as well. So a little plug that you're going to be a keynote speaker there as well in November, um, if anyone wants to catch awesome. you there. But but everyone should definitely get onto your School of Humanity website. It's absolutely fascinating. And um, yeah, let's look forward to the future of more schools like School of Humanity. Rhea, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you um, and wish you every success in the future. Thank you so much, Angela. I really enjoyed this conversation and I'm looking forward to meeting you and seeing you in Singapore. That's it for another insightful episode with Angela Fairs from Full Circle. And thank you for listening. To get in touch with Angela, check out her website. It's fullcircle-education.co.uk. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.